Okay. Thank you, music team. Sort of feels weird coming up on the stage right now and not coming off of it. When Paul mentioned last week that I was going to be speaking, I sort of expected a lower turnout than even this. So, so I'm encouraged. Uh, and actually, I got a phone call from Allison this morning at about 7.30 this morning. She said, um, Benton, you might have to play guitar today, too. So, because there was a little bit of, you know, concern getting here. But anyway, I'm really happy to be here, really excited um, and privileged, honestly, to speak with you about this sixth reality in our study of experiencing God. And that sixth reality is entitled, Adjusting Your Life to God. And the reality of adjusting your life to God is in response of the last reality that Paul spoke about last week, which is the crisis of belief. It's the crisis of belief which is the first turning point in our lives where we accept fully who God is and what He's done for us. And today, I get the task of talking about what the impact of that should look like in our lives. How does the knowledge of who God is and the work of His Son impact our decisions and our choices and our actions moment by moment, day by day? But before we begin, let's just pray. Dear Lord, we are so thankful that we have a Father that cares about us, God, a Father that wishes to guide us and direct us, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would be here this morning and that you would use me, God, as a servant of you, Lord, that um, those that are gathered here this morning would not hear my voice, Lord, for that would be a massive disappointment, God, but that they would hear your words through me, God. We thank you, Lord, for your love and your pursuit of us, God. Through Christ's name, amen. So when Paul asked me about speaking about adjusting your life to God, I kind of instantly thought, adjusting might just be the most challenging thing we have to do as human beings. Because when we're talking about adjusting, we're talking about change. Nobody really likes that word, change. The truth is, change is really, really hard for all of us. Change, for some of us, is actually impossible. And if you can think in your mind of some people that have a hard time dealing with change... But the truth is, change or adjustment, it's a part of our life. It it sort of shapes how we act, how we behave. It's a fundamental part of life. I can almost guarantee you that the most critical times in your life, the most challenging times in your life, has required you to change or to adjust to something. The most pivotal, the most decisive moments in your life have been defined by the adjustments or changes you've had to make. Change happens. Some of these changes might be a change in where you live. Um, maybe you've locate, relocated to a new area, or a change in where you're going to school. There's a lot of folks here that are going to the Prasago, and that's a different change. You, you meet new people, you adjust your life. There's also a change maybe in a new job. There's young couples that I know that are getting married. That's a massive Adjustment, and they think that's a massive adjustment until they have their first kid. <laughs> and then they have kid number two, and kid number three, and kid number four. And if you're crazy, like my parents, you have kid number five or six. 
And, uh, you know, it's massive adjustment the whole way. Massive adjustment. And then the kids eventually leave, which I understand is a fantastic adjustment for some people. And for others, it's much more difficult. It's a big challenge. But any, any kind of adjustment or, or, or change you experience, one way or another, change is hard. Particularly, and this is sort of the point, particularly the type of change that requires you to adjust your habits and your tendencies in your pursuit of becoming more like Jesus. That kind of change, that kind of adjustment in your day-to-day life is so hard. You might be working through this study. I just want to say this too, because you might be working through this study as I am and really am enjoying it. But you might be feeling a little bit overwhelmed or a little bit flustered because it seems like this study or this sermon series is building to this massive crescendo where God is going to call you to do something absolutely radical and a massive change is going to happen. And the truth is, that may happen. You know, that's sort of what the adjustment portion is about is, is adjusting our plans to His. But what I really want to speak to you guys about this morning is sort of laying the foundation for that because Rather than being so overwhelmed or or concerned about this radical change, we need to look more closely at how is the crisis of belief, the impact of who God is and his death on a cross, how does that impact and adjust our life on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis? You see, it is far easier, way easier, to just continue on with life, right? It's far easier to just... Keep on going with life than it is to stop and shift gears and make adjustments. And the reason for that is that adjustments take work, right? Change takes work. Improving takes work. And it's my hope that this morning I can encourage you to get to work in your Christian life. That the revelation of who God is would spur you on to make righteous and godly improvements in your life so that He can use you. Because we can't be used for a major plan if we aren't first adjusting our day-to-day actions and looking at that very, very closely. That revelation of who God is is the crisis of belief that Blackaby talks about and that Paul was speaking about last week. One of the lines I really like in the study about this uh, this reality that Blackaby uses. He says, God's revelation is your invitation to adjust your life to Him. God's revelation is your invitation to adjust your life to Him. There's revelation and there's invitation and they are totally and completely connected. There's sort of a cause and effect that should be happening in your life. It's like when a lightning bolt strikes in a forest and the result of that is a wildfire that is almost uncontrollable and it's rampant. And so too should the impact of Christ's death affect our Christian life. It should spread through every single aspect of our life like a wildfire. But that effect does not come unless you first are overwhelmed by the truth of who God is and what He has done for you through Christ Jesus. Something Paul said last week um, that I sort of wrote down, as I sometimes do. I don't want to give Paul a big ego, but he does have some, you know, he's he does have some good points that God gives him. It wasn't so much Paul, it was God. I need to remember that. But when Paul was looking last week 
in the faith chapter in Hebrews, he said, faith is not divorced of conviction. Faith is not divorced of conviction. You see, conviction is married to our faith. If you are convinced by who God is this morning, you are convinced that His Son died on a cross for you, there should be evidence in our life, in our day-to-day living, in the impact of what that is. And not just in the big moments, not just in the big decisions, but in our day-to-day life. Now on this topic of Christian living and adjusting your life to Him, there's all kinds of guidance we can find in God's Word. And I've sort of picked out a couple of my favorites because when you're only speaking once in a while, you basically just take whatever scriptures are your favorite. So that's kind of what I've done this morning. So our first passage, and you can turn there, is in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, 12 to 13, and this will be a well-known verse to all of you. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence... Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Now, some might say that there is no place for scare tactics in preaching. But I sort of like scare tactics. I was practically raised on scare tactics. I kind of like scare tactics, and I really, really, really like it when Paul tells the Philippians to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's really important to start here because our Father is loving and He is merciful and He is the all-powerful Creator the Alpha and Omega, whom we will one day stand before. We cannot afford to be stagnant in our Christian life. We cannot afford to just be lazy and to not be aware of how we're living and what our actions reflect. We must work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Our conviction that is married to our faith Our conviction of who God is must ignite a change in our day-to-day living. And we know change is hard, right? We all know change is hard. We know adjustment is tough. We know improving is tough. We know that listening to God's word and instruction and that type of obedience is difficult. But we as Christians, God is asking us to be rock stars of change, to be incredibly adaptable to whatever God is asking us to do. And that starts in our actions and our habits on a day-to-day basis. And this is as much a great message, trust me, for me, than it is for anybody else. You know, um, I remember when I mentioned to my mom that I was going to be speaking on adjusting my life to God. And my mom didn't say anything, but she did laugh <laughs> a little bit. And it was out of support, but she knows, like, I mean, I think any, any mother here knows the sins of our children, right? They know... They know where we lack. And adjusting our life to God has been a wonderful study for me to work through personally, you know, and it's encouraged me as well. Now, there is a word used about 40 times in the Bible. This is sort of a pop quiz, if you like trivia. I'm looking at you, Paul. I mean, Graham. Paul Graham. 
It sometimes gets confusing because you're both up here on every Sunday. It gets very confusing. But there's a word, there's a word used in the Bible that defines the process of change that God asks of us. And it starts with the letter S. Sanctification. That's right, sanctification. Sanctification is the process in which we become holy, right? It's the process in which we become like Jesus. And if you're a Christian here today, you got to be thinking, Benton, that sounds pretty great. After all, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is perfect, right? He's the one that we are pursuing. He's the one that we admire. It should be the desire of our hearts to be like Jesus. Working to be like Jesus ought to be effortless, right? It should be so easy. But it's not. It's not. Why is it so hard for us to be sanctified? Why is it so hard for us to adjust our life to God? We are convinced that God is who He says He is. We are convinced that His Son died on a cross for us And for some reason, even though that lightning bolt has struck, that wildfire isn't exactly rampant in our lives. Why not? Well, as Paul once mentioned to me, for every question that we have in life, we can find the answer in God's Word. And there's a lot of sort of passages that you could go to to address this, but I felt that God was calling me to turn to Ephesians 4. And you can turn to that now. If you uh, have your Bibles in front of you, Ephesians 4, verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the fertility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Here Paul is encouraging the people of Ephesus to resist the pull of what he is describing as the old self. Verse 22, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in the true righteousness of holiness. Paul is describing here an internal warfare that's going on inside. There was a war going on in the hearts of those people in Ephesus and there's a war going on in your heart today. It's a battle between the old self that was born from our sinful nature and the new self which we take on when we accept Christ as our Savior. You see, change, adjustment in the form of sanctification is hard because it completely goes against our nature as sinners. That's why it's so hard. 
This is a battle that's going on every single day. And every single day, we need to choose to put on the new self and let the old self die. Romans 6, 6 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That means the old self has died with Christ. We cannot afford, I cannot afford, to be stagnant. We must be actively participating, actively allowing God to work through us, actively choosing to do away with our old self and instead put on the new self which we have been afforded through the cross work of Jesus Christ. And that's what God wants. That's what God wants when we talk about adjusting our life. It's His will for us to be sanctified. I believe it was Thessalonians. Yeah, Thessalonians 4.3 says that it is God's will that you be sanctified. It's God's will for you to change, to adjust in your day-to-day actions to be more like Jesus. He's, his will is for us to be like Jesus, but sanctification requires participation, right? It's a fun rhyming word. You can just kind of, I've just been twiddling that around in my brain most of the week. Sanctification re- requires participation. Christ said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. Daily. It's a battle. It's a warfare. If you're stagnant, if you're not aware, if you're being lazy in your, in your life and you're not being aware, the devil is just going to get in there and be able to do whatever he wants with you. You need to be on guard. You need to be taking up your cross daily. Day by day. Moment by moment. God wants us to be actively engaged in our faith. So that every time we are faced with an old self moment, we elect to choose the new self. And that's what sanctification is about. It's God's will for you to be sanctified. It's God's will for you to be changed from the old to the new every single day. Now, I find that it's very helpful to identify what the old self looks like for each of us. This is a little bit of self-reflection here we're going to do. I think somebody asked if there was going to be interactive games. I think it was Beth. There's not going to be any interactive games. But I do want us to be in tune with um, what our old self looks like. Now, that is something that some of us are all too aware of, okay? Some of us could raise their hands and say, Benton, I know exactly what my old self looks like. I know how they talk. I know how my old self speaks. I could ask Alison Bangay, and she could just give me a list. She's like, well, Benton, this is my old self right here. And that is often, you know, from just my observation, that is sometimes um, more common with folks that come to know the Lord a little later in life because they've spent, you know, many years... Um, living in the old self. So they know what that old self looks like. But for some of us, it's a little harder to identify. And I do believe that if you want to solve any problem or you want to improve a situation, you have to know what the problem is. You have to know what the problem is. Um, Some of us who came to know Christ at a very young age, you know, I came to know the Lord when I was seven years old in a bunk bed. And I struggled for a while to figure out what my old self kind of looks like. And you kind of have to go through that practice to know. And so I just want to share with you an easy way that I've found a way to identify what does my old self look like. I have landed on a word, tendencies. 
tendencies. I want to ask you this morning, what are your tendencies? Tendencies. It seemed to be a good word for me to think on what I tend to do. What I tend to do in any sort of given situation. And that is sort of a reflection of my sinful nature, right? When I think about my tendencies. And if you take anything from this message that I'm giving you this morning, I just would like you to leave here thinking about that one big tendency that you know you have that is not of God, that is a part of the old self, not a part of the new self. And I encourage you to take that to God, you know, and ask Him to help you in that tendency. Ask Him to help you to be engaged actively in adjusting that part of your life so that God can use you. God's desire is to do that. God's desire is to see you change. His desire is to see you adjust, to sanctify you, to make you more like Jesus. One of my favorite um, quotes uh, is a C.S. Lewis quote. And it, it paints a beautiful picture, actually, of this theme. And I don't know if I really like this because I'm a builder and I like houses. Um, because it's an illustration about a living house. And I'm going to read this to you, because I think it, it fits really nicely. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house at first. Perhaps you can understand what He's doing. He's getting the drains right, and He's stopping the leaks in the roof, and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you are not surprised. But presently... He starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abdominally. And it does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is God up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. You see, the story of the Christian life is about change. The story of the Christian life is about adjustment. When God enters your living house, you experience change immediately. Maybe your leaky roof was terrible language. Maybe your drain problem was alcohol abuse or sexual impurity. You knew that that needed fixing, and you allowed God to help you adjust your life, to make those changes. But now, God is imploring you to do away with every single aspect of your old self, not just the obvious ones. Now He's pointing to some of your sinful tendencies that He wants you to make right. Now He's prompting you to resist the urge to gossip with your friends about someone. Now he's asking you to choose to be supportive and loving rather than always being so critical. Now he's working on you controlling your temper. He's pointing out the problems that you have with your pride. Now he's wanting you to be a good friend, like an actual good friend and what that looks like. He wants you to honor your parents, to serve your spouse humbly. He wants you to let the old self die Totally and completely. Adjustments need to be made. They need to be made every single day. It's a part of God's work in us. 
There might be adjustments that you need to make in your circumstances, in your job, or in your finances. Maybe there's an adjustment you need to make in your relationships with certain friends, you know, or, or family members. Maybe you need to make something right, and you know what that is. Adjustments to your thinking. You may be convinced that your, your perspective on just about any given topic is correct, but if it does not align with God's Word, then there's some adjustments that are needed there too. You may need to adjust your priorities in your daily commitments. Are your priorities reflective? Are your priorities reflective of the new self, or are they reflective of the old self and the priorities you have day by day and week by week? God desires for us to be sanctified. He desires us to change, to be more like Jesus in every aspect of our life, not just the obvious one. And perhaps my favorite part of this illustration by Lewis is how accurately he seems to illustrate our own expectations compared to God's plan. He is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. You see, we thought that we were going to be made just a little bit better, just a slight improvement, a little tweak, but God's plan for us is to be like Jesus. You might be listening to this message this morning. This kind of occurred to me when I was writing this. You might be listening to a message like this this morning and you might be feeling really low because the old self might be all too familiar to you because you've been living in the old self more days than you're not, you know? And if that's you this morning, if, if you're feeling low, if you're feeling sad, I have really good news for you. God's pursuit of you is relentless. He will not stop coming after you. There's a song, you guys know I like music. Came this close to doing music this morning, which would have been a nightmare. That's too much Benton for one morning. I can just about, just ask Jordan. Um, there's a song that I'm, I'm really enjoying, it, and it's amazing because when you, when you are part of such a fun team up here, you realize that your life, you know, is just, you just, there's music in the air all the time. It's a real thing, you know. You have people like Allison Bangage sending you music, and my wife Jordan saying, Benton, you should listen to this song. And there's a song that has just been on the radio quite a bit, and it says, there's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up coming after me, there's no wall you won't kick down, no lie you won't tear down coming after me. And the Course says, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. Christ's parable of the lost sheep says that he leaves the 99 sheep to find the one lost sheep. If you feel overwhelmed in your old self this morning, and I've felt this way too, if you feel lost, know that God won't stop coming after you. He won't stop pursuing you to bring you home and to make you like Christ. I was talking to my grandfather, oh man, I'm getting emotional. If I'm going to start talking about my grandfather, it's going to be really bad. But my grandfather, he's 85 years old. I had to check that with my mom. Dr. Russell Glock Jr., super smart, super smart guy, very, uh, very well read. And he has endured about 80 plus years of sanctification experience. That's what I'm calling it. 
sanctification experience. And he and I were talking about this topic, and he said to me, Benton, God is bound and determined to make you like Jesus. Allison, God is bound and determined to make you like Jesus. Isaac, God is bound and determined to make you like Jesus. God is bound and determined to make us like Jesus. His pursuit of us is relentless. He will not stop calling us to actively choose the new self, actively adjusting our life to Him. So just to close, I just want to leave you, if you think about those tendencies that you have in your life that need adjusting, just call out to Him. Call out to Him about those things. Ask God to show up at those old self moments because He can catch you before you even get there. You might think that you're a little bit out of control in those tendencies that you have and those moments that you have, but if you just bring it to God, God will help you with those things. Allow Him to sanctify you because He has a bigger plan for us than a decent little cottage. God's plan is a palace. And our, His plan is for us to be like Jesus. And it starts with our actions and the way we, we behave and carry ourselves day to day so that we can be used by Him. Let's pray.